Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Welcome, everybody. Here we are yet again for another Shar Hapitachin Shir. We are so excited to be here. Um, yeah, so I want to start first and foremost with yesterday's Hayemim for everyone watching at some point in the future. Yesterday for us right now was Hey Tamos. And I feel like this Hayemim really sets us up with a great mindset for us to really start Sharbitachim um, for today. So once in a course of Yechidus, the altar of a questioned one of his foremost and closest chassidim about his personal situation. The chassid lamented that he had lost all his possessions. The altar of answered him, you are needed to illuminate your surroundings by studying Torah and by serving Hashem with your heart in prayer. As for your livelihood, your parnassah, and the things that you need, this Hashem must give you. Do what you must, and Hashem will do what he must. And I feel like it sets us up because last week we spoke about how when we see things as we are Hashem's servant, and Hashem sent us here as a, as a, with a very specific job. And when we have that very specific job, and we do that very specific job, then he takes care of us. Just like a servant doesn't need to be taking care of his own parnasa and his food and his family because the, the master takes care of that. He just does what his master tells him to do. So, so too for us. Here we are. We are sent on a mission. We are sent on a mission to make this world a better place, to make this world a more godly place. We are sent on a mission to bring Hashem and make this a dwelling place, a home for him. And so when we do our part, then Hashem does his part and Hashem will take care of all the rest of our needs and every single other piece that we need. So with that, we're tying it with the previous class and let's, let's get started. So we're currently on page five of the introduction, which as we know in the Sefer, um, this wonderful Sefer, page five is really like 30 pages in. Um, but if everyone can turn to page five, we finished off with having a discussion about, um, wait, rewind. Right now, as part of the introduction, we are bringing in, um, Rabbeinu Bahaya is bringing in different reasons why having betachen makes sense. He is explaining to us exactly why it would, it, it's beneficial for us, mitzad kedusha, mitzad tera, and it's beneficial for us, mitzad gashmias, mitzad our, our, our money and our health and our physical, like, and emotional in it, and our anxiety and all of that. So it, it's not just, it's like, oh, this godly, you're going to be living in this, like, rainbow land with the, you know, wearing thousands filling all day long, or for us, you know, davening all day long, but it also affects us in our, in our physical plane. So we gave a few different ideas. And we also explained that when a person doesn't trust in Hashem and isn't putting his trust in Hashem, then Hashem is also in a certain sense saying, okay, fine, you put your trust 
in whatever it is that you put your trust. So I'll let, I'll let that thing be in charge. And it doesn't necessarily mean, as we know from, from term for, from Chassidus, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are literally, you know, at the whim of our boss or at the whim of our parents or at the whim of our, whatever we're putting our trust in. Um, but we are actually at the whim of, we're technically still under Hashem's um, rulership. We just don't feel it. We don't feel, we don't feel it in such a way. We we don't see that like wow, Hashkacha Pratis, um, amazing stories. So that's what we left off last week. Okay, the author will now quote five psukim that show how one, a person who doesn't rely on Hashem must be relying on some other entity. And two, by doing so, he causes Hashem to remove his divine providence from him. So now we're going to bring up, we're going to bring in Psukim to prove this. Okay. So just a heads up about Psukim in this Sefer. Being that we explained last week, our goal here is to live with Bitachan, is to not just have an intellectual abstract discussion on different, you know, this person says this and that person says that. And, oh, that's, uh, you know, that was such a nice nice discussion back and forth. But instead, our goal is to really live with it, is to practicalize it, is to bring it into our lives. And so therefore, when it comes to psukim, I'm not necessarily going to go, oh, so the pasuk in the, in the context over there, and the, like, we're not gonna, Rabbeinu Bachai is bringing psukim to make, to, to use as proof. It's not bringing him, it's not bringing psukim for us to get sidetracked onto like some other concept, some other idea. So let's go, let's get started. So Pasuk number one, and the person, well, actually, this is still him, but we'll, we'll see how this is part of Pasuk number one. And the person who places his trust in something other than Hashem will be like one regarding whom it says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, meaning Hashem is the spring of living water, to dig for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that do not hold water. So let's take a moment and, and, and dissect that a little bit. So as you can see that there's an asterisk where it says evil. So we're going to go down to the commentary on the bottom. So it says, for my people have committed two evils. This verse points to the double folly of turning away from trusting in Hashem, who is the source of everything. A person who fails to place his trust in him is essentially leaving the wellspring, the source of the water in the, in the cisterns. and instead placing his trust in something other than Hashem. Those others are mere vessels through which Hashem provides his people and are, without Hashem's provision, broken cisterns. So here we are. We think that we're, we're, we're doing such a great job by trusting that our boss is going to give us a paycheck, by trusting that the government's going to take care of us, by trusting that X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you, you're putting your trust in. But... We're forgetting the fact that that thing, that person actually gets everything from Hashem. Hashem is the only living water. Hashem is the water that continuously flows. It's fine. Okay. So that, that other thing is a vessel. It, it does contain a certain sense of bracha. Your boss does hand you or, you know, whatever, to whatever extent, your boss does hand you a paycheck. So he does bring you the bracha, but he is just the vessel through which Hashem, the living waters, flows. 
Now, if we trust solely on the on the cistern, on the on the vessel, then it's broken. It's it's missing the source from where it comes from. Okay, so now let's go back into the main text, into the explanation here, where it says, this verse implies that a person who does not place his trust in Hashem is automatically placing his trust in an entity other than Hashem. Secondly, it implies that just as a broken cistern does not hold water, he will eventually lose the blessings. This is a source for the concept advanced by the author that Hashem's divine providence is removed from those who don't rely on him, right? So that's what we said before, that if a person doesn't, if a person isn't trusting in Hashem, then he is trusting in, in someone or something else. And so therefore, when we do that, um, we're, we're actually not trusting Hashem. We're like, we're not connecting to the source of water. So now let's go back over here. It says God, it has a little asterisk. And it says, God, the water in the verse refers to the good things that are bestowed upon us, right? So what's water? Water is the brachas that Hashem gives us. God is referred to as the source of living water. He's the one that gives us the water. Because the good that comes directly from Hashem is like living water, which one, comes directly from the source, and two, is not subject to any interruption. This is in contrast to the water that is found in broken cisterns, which refers to the good that comes to a person as a result of relying on any entity other than Hashem. Just like the water that is to be found in the broken cisterns, one does not come from its source, right? So if we get it from a vessel, it means that we're not getting it from the actual source. And number two, it cannot be contained by the cistern so too, the good that the person receives from entities other than Hashem, meaning even if let's say we wait on luck um, or, you know, looking at the stars and the horoscope and we're going to, we're going to get the lucky ticket and we trust that Hashem or not even Hashem, we trust that uh, because we did the gematria of the numbers in the, in the lottery ticket, then we are going to win this one because it's meant to be the proper, whatever it is, or you trust that because you did so-and-so, so then your boss is going to give you a raise, right? But we're forgetting the fact that behind it all is the living water of Hashem. This is just a broken cistern. It is just a vessel. And when we lose the source from which the water flows into that vessel, so then the whole thing is broken. It's not going to keep anything. It's not going to hold brachas, and it doesn't really have the brachas to begin with. Um, and number two will also eventually cease to exist, exist. So even if, it's very interesting, I actually um, I actually did a bit of research today and I found there was a study in 1975, 75, 72, 1978, 1978, where they actually compared, I think it was 20, yeah, 22 major lottery winners versus 22 like quote unquote control group, the rest of us Joe Schmoes. And they compare them, they compare them over time to see what was their quote unquote happiness level. Because we think if we win the lottery, or so many people think, like, you know, if I, if I were to win the lottery, like I'd really make it in life. Like we even use that as a term, like, oh my gosh, I just won the lottery. Like winning the lottery is seen as like the be all end all. Meanwhile, <clears throat> In this study, they actually found out 
that the people who won the lottery were like a, a, a large percentage less happy than the people who just lived regular thumb lives. They were tested by how, how much joy, how much contentment they received from their life, like through their life, how much they felt joy throughout their life. And it was actually less. They felt less and they were, le they were more desensitized to the, to the natural beauty in life. And so here we think, oh, we're going to get it. We're really going to get this bracha. And like when we win the lottery, when we get this job, when we make the next break, when we get there, whatever that there is, then life's going to be good. But we're not connecting the fact that Hashem is the one that takes us from where we are to where we need to go. And Hashem is the one that gives us that bracha. He is the living water. He is the one flowing bracha into our lives constantly. And when we forget that and we just trust the lottery ticket, or we just trust ourselves, or we just trust our bunny, or we just trust whatever, it's a broken cup. It can't hold the vessel. It can't hold the bracha. And to add to that, it was even shown that most people within, the, within five to 10 years ended up bankrupt. So it's just an interesting, uh, interesting observation. Okay. Now we're going on to our next pasuk. We have five psukim to prove that trusting in Hashem, um, when we trust in Hashem, he we we when we don't sorry when we don't trust in Hashem, then we actually are trusting automatically trusting something else, and it's actually not good for us. So pasuk number two, we're on page six in the main text, and as the verse says. They exchanged their glory for the likeness of an ox eating grass. So what are we talking about? What do you mean they exchanged their glory? So here it says, this Pasuk refers to the time when the Jews worshipped the golden calf, substituting Hashem for the image of a grass eating ox. And it's funny because it seems so ridiculous now. Like literally so ridiculous to build a cow a cow eating grass and suddenly we think this cow took us out of Mitzrayim and this cow is going to save us and this cow is going to and in a certain sense when we learn you know when we learn Torah and we think about the story it's like what are they thinking like come on grow up it's, not, it's a cow but we have to put it into context back then idol worship was totally normal it wasn't the thing to do not only that but they had just come from Egypt and in Egypt they had lambs they had sheep all of these different idols that they, you know, idolized the Nile River. For them, this was normal. Thinking that uh, a physical something could be God, it was a totally normal thing. And so we have to bring that into our life. Nowadays, fine, the cow is not normal. A statue is not normal. We don't think we think it's ridiculous. Even nowadays, like you see a little statue somewhere, you're like, what the. You really think this is going to, you know, rub some belly and suddenly you're going to have good luck? Like, we don't think of it as the norm. But nowadays, there's a very, very interesting other idol, which we deal with. And for some people, it could be different. But for many of us, that idol could be money. Oh, as long as we have enough money, we can buy happiness. As long as we have enough, as long as we have our paycheck set, then we'll be happy. I won't, I won't stress out anymore as long as we have those things. So it's an interesting thing to think that here, fine, we're talking about an ox and it seems so far removed and so ridiculous and so um, abstract or so 
you know, non in our lives. But in reality, we have our own. And, and it's a moment. If everyone can take a moment to think about what is that thing that they think, wow, if only I would get this job, if only I would get married, if only I would date the right guy, if only I would have the right parents, the right future, the right past, the right job, the right whatever, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have all the brushes. Then I'll be, I won't have any anxiety. I won't have any worries or stress, right? So many times we have that thing, whatever it is, that thing for you. So now substitute it into the pasuk. Instead of saying ox eating grass, put that thing, whatever it is for you, right there. Okay. In subsequent psukim, it states that Hashem was ready to destroy the Jewish nation as a punishment, were it not for the fact that Moshe interceded on their behalf. Here, too, we see that as a result of the Jewish Jews substituting Hashem with another entity, Hashem was ready to remove his providence and destroy them. Okay. Pasuk number... So example of a, of a third, third pasuk to prove this. And as the Pasuk says, blessed is the man who relies on the Lord and the Lord will be his support. It's actually funny because we know it's a famous song. <laughs> right? So it's a famous song. We all know it. This Pasuk assures that if we have trust in Hashem, we will be protected by him. But it also implies that if we lack trust, we will not be protected, right? Hashem will be his support. Now, Pasuk number four to prove this. And as it says, fortunate is the man who made Hashem his support and did not turn to the haughty and those who turned to falsehood. The Pasuk praises the person who relies on Hashem rather than turning to others. In this Pasuk, we also see that there is a straightforward choice, either rely on Hashem or are another entity. There is no middle ground, right? So we have one thing and one thing only. It's called Hashem. Because if we're doing something other than Hashem, then it's already something other than Hashem. And it's just been proven through five different sukkim. Or sorry, four different sukkim. Now the fifth. And as it says, cursed is the man who relies in men and makes flesh his arm and whose heart turns away from Hashem. This Pasuk teaches us that bad things befall a person who relies on other people rather than Hashem, supporting the author's original statement that Hashem removes his divine providence from those who do not trust in him. Okay, so now we just proved it. Five different Pasukim that prove that if we trust in anyone other than, and if we don't trust in Hashem, it automatically means we're trusting something or someone else. Which means that coming to Shara B'Tachan Shir and constantly reminding ourselves, and hopefully everyone did their homework, which is to read the bottom line little pieces throughout the week, um, giving you a, that boost throughout the week to continue. Um, doing that will help you stay in the in focus in trusting Hashem as opposed to trusting other people or other things. Okay. Yeah, go for it. So you're just reaching out to other people to help you, but you're not like putting your trust in them. Correct. Yes. And we're actually gonna we're gonna discuss it in future chapters. How to what extent is that balance? Like asking for something and 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 being okay that the other person is taking care of it. Because like the other 
the polar opposite approach is like, I'm just going to take care of it myself, which is actually what we're going to discuss right now. Um, so being able to ask other people for help is an amazing trait. It's a beautiful thing. Putting our trust and, and believing that they're the ones giving us the bracha, that's the issue. That's where the problem lies. Okay. Now we're on page seven. Misguided trust. So last week, through the question and answer section, at one point, we got into a whole discussion about how to balance, like when we have to make that flight, you know, and like we're in the car and we're like rushing, rushing, rushing. And it's like, oh, I have to get myself to the, right? So it's like, do I have to get myself to the airport or is it, it's fine. I'm in the car. Just breathe in. Hashem's going to take care of me. You know, say some, so come to him. It's like, what's the balance here? So let's, let's learn misguided trust. Until now, the author has been explaining in general terms that when a person relies on anything other than Hashem, he is doomed to fail. Now, the author brings specific examples of things that people tend to place their trust in and how they do not provide security. Okay. If he relies on his own wisdom, his schemes, his plans, his physical strength and his own efforts, those efforts will be for naught. He will become weak and lose that physical strength and his schemes and wisdom will fall short of accomplishing his goals. As the Pasuk says, he traps clever people in their shrewdness. I thought that's so like, I'm saying like people do this and they don't become weak. Well, how accurate, like, are these specific things? Like, like, I'm saying a person that doesn't have the tough time and they feel like, that's it like their strength is going to give them i don't know anybody like they're like when it comes to anything anything in life they still have their strength people like don't rely on hashem they think they're the best i'm saying like that i'm saying like so let me it it sound like it's like if you rely on your own strength then your strength will become you'll lose you become weak that's not really possible to happen Okay, so let me if, if let me see if I understood your question correctly. Seems like what you're saying is that we this sounds nice and it's a nice proof and it's a nice uh, so I I I practically speaking we don't actually see that that happens and many people who have strength continue to have their strength and many people that don't rely on Hashem continue to have parnasa they continue to have whatever brachas they they're relying on. And it continues to happen. So therefore, we don't see it, you know, if this well, happens, like exactly, we don't see it so clear. So I think the answer in of itself is that we don't see it. But not necessarily does that mean that it's not happening. Meaning, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. And we don't know, like, a sad example, but... Um, I was just reading a story in the story bites. And um, so there was a famous chassid, his name was Peretz Machkin, and he was one of the most instrumental chassidim in smuggling Jews out of Soviet Russia. He 
literally took care of forging tons and tons of passports and getting people out of like miraculously out. And by an amazing miracle, he also made it out because many people didn't. And he made it, made his way and he ended up settling down in Montreal. And while in Montreal, Chassidim would, you know, they were, they would forbring and they'd spend time together. And this particular Chassid kept seeing that Peretz Machkin was not really taking care of himself. Like he didn't have a nice suit. It's like, you live in Montreal now, like take care of yourself, you know, like uh, take care of your gashmius needs. Exactly. And he was just, you know, wearing his old flumpy like way back when from Russia, like torn, you know, kapata jacket, whatever. And like, it, it happened to be that whenever he would go in for Yechidus with the rabbi, he would borrow somebody else's kapata. So this other chassid with such obviously stroll, he cared for him and he said, you know, he went into Yechidus with the rabbi and he happened to mention like, by the way, rabbi, like he's your chassid. Like well, maybe tell him to take good care of himself. Like he should be, you know, he should be a presentable person. And the example that he used was, how is it fair that that Parrots doesn't have Parnassa to take care of himself with a, a nice suit? Meanwhile, Marilyn Monroe is making uh, thousands and thousands of, of dollars. So the Rebbe answered at that point, the Rebbe said, the simcha that Parrots has, Marilyn Monroe will never, like never even knows. And it's very interesting because a few months later, she actually committed suicide. And it goes to show that we don't always know what's happening. Like we might think that that person has the biggest strength. We might think that that person, you know, has got his life covered and like multimillionaire Bill Gates, duh, wow, wow, wow. And he's separated and getting divorced. Like we don't know, you know, have all the money, have all the happiness. I don't want to go into more celebrities, but like we get the picture. Many people might trust in Hashem and it looks like they have no money. We actually got into a discussion this a few years ago about how come it seems that the people who are modern, more modern, seem to have more, you know, fancier cars or fancier. And when you go to think about it, maybe they're not spending the thousands of dollars into getting a silver Monero. And so somebody has their fancy silver Monero hidden in a nice chest and comes out on, on Hanukkah, but it's not the fancy car that gets flashed and everybody sees it. You get what I mean? So we don't know. It, it, it's possible that it is this plain and simple black and white that yeah, a person doesn't trust in Hashem and so therefore they don't get the brachas that they need. Also, we don't know what's going to happen now and later and at one point. And so we just trust the fact that because it says it in Torah, so therefore it must be true. And we just don't see it with our Gashmias flesh eyes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. But I'm just like, it's kind of like, is it the <laughs> word? Well, no, I don't think, no, I just don't think that practically speaking, I don't, I'm saying, I don't know if you ask every single person out there, like I'm saying there's millions of people in the world, like, if they don't, if they're living really, you know, great lives and they don't trust in Hashem. I'm not saying that, it's not like a, on promotion, don't trust in Hashem, it's just like, it's very like, kind of like very black and white. Like if you don't trust, if you don't, if you trust in your physical ability, you'll become weak. And that's not necessarily like, it's like, it's like when people say like, I did a, I did a sin, I did get struck by lightning. It's like the same concept that it's hard to, 
right but it's we, hard for us to like see it very clearly right like, it's sure hard for us case, to see it very clearly there's celebrities that are you know like exactly they're not happy with their life but there is i'm sure many people that like you can ask them and they're like you know very accomplished and very, i'm just saying that it just the way it's written i don't know like what but like some are just very like so I guess it's for us to take it in our own lives and not necessarily be looking at other people, whether it's working for them or not. But for us, we should realize that this is this is what it's meant to be like. Michal? Michal? That's the thing. We really don't. No, but we could ask them. You guys think I just had the you best really day and you don't really know. Or it could be that in the future, like this multi-million dollar, whatever. No, I'm just saying, I don't think it sounds like such a great, like, promotion. Like, well, if you trust in Hashem, you'll never be weak. It's just like... I don't think it said that. No, I know it's saying that. It's saying, it's saying that basically, if you do, if you don't trust in Hashem and you trust in your physical strength, then you'll become weak. So it's like... Well, you, you, if I, I understand, also, I think what that's that you're like running after your... If you want to make yourself your... I can imagine people that they're like looking towards an expectation, what's in the next movie, what... This is a weakness that they're using a lot of effort to just make them stuff like but they don't know what they're looking for. That's a, mm. that's a weak. That's well, it says and he'll lose his physical strength. Okay, okay. Well the, the point that's yeah, exactly. That that's our point is not to go looking at other people's yeah. lives. Our point is to learn for ourselves, and that's why I said hopefully everybody took some sort of journal and they've journaled about their vitachin or say they took as i said in your book you can for bring into your book and hashem has you um and this is meant for your personal thing so for you you should know that for yourself you shouldn't be trusting in your own strength you shouldn't trust that the just because you'd say you tell someone that you're going to beat them up that suddenly you're going to win or just because you have a pepper spray in crown heights that you're going to uh use it in the right time with the right people so <laughs> just putting it out there trusting in hashem you carry you can carry your pepper spray as well but um anyway okay back to the text okay so as we said that when okay so we have an asterisk here where it says he traps clever people in their shrewdness so we're going to look down Oh, wait, did I miss another asterisk? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good. Turning back to page seven, we missed one asterisk on the back, on the back page. Um, okay, so back to page seven. We're going to finish the, we're going to do the commentary on the bottom. So relies on his wisdom. This is actually a very famous, um, huh, for lots of kalas, you should know, that many chasanim choose to do a very famous mimer called Maim Rabin. And this mimer was actually said um, after the Rebbe's heart attack. So it was actually said from the Rebbe's room and it was said over a microphone. And it's for Parsha's Nayach. So it's literally the Shabbos after, like not Shabbos Barishas, but the Shabbos Parsha's Nayach. And it's a very, very famous um, mimer, which speaks about the struggles, financial struggles and darkness in our lives and how it's like these strong, powerful waters. And one of the ways that um, one of the ways that one of the topics that is discussed in there is what we're going to discuss here in the bottom. Okay. So left asterisk 
which is the title is relies on his wisdom on the verse if you eat from the toil of your hand the altar rabbi, rabbi schneer zalman of liadi explains the pasuk does not say the toil of your head because we must work for livelihood solely with our physical abilities the hands the internal faculty of the mind the head on the other hand is to be utilized for the study of Torah. okay so we are meant to do what we need to do in regards to our parnasa in regards to our job but we don't have to give our soul to our job what about when you work in like Hannah? one second um, hold your horses Okay, we don't have to give our soul to our job. It means we don't have to stress about it, lose sleep, stress about whether our paycheck is going to come or not, stress about our boss likes us, does he not like us, does he like us, does he not like us, did he approve of this, did he not approve of this? We shouldn't have anxiety. Now, let's read the next asterisk, which explains it. One second, one second. We're getting there. However, that's why I said, hold your horses. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Okay, the next asterisk. If he relies in his wisdom, his physical strength, and his own efforts, right? That's the title. Although we must not rely on our wisdom and efforts to achieve our goals and earn a living, we can and should utilize our strengths and abilities because they are the vehicle that Hashem gave to achieve success. So you have specific strengths that no one else has, or even if someone else has it, you have it in a very specific way in your personal life. If you're a teacher, then your particular way of teaching is exactly what your students need. If you are a mother, if you are a, if you work in technology in any job, whatever job that you do or whatever, as you personally have, it's because you have a special chush. You have a special ability to accomplish that particular um, job, okay? We must simply be aware that blessings and success ultimately come from Hashem. And that, is, and that it is Hashem who ordains blessings through the channel of human effort. So you have your special, you have your special strengths. You have your special, you know, chalik in this world that you need to take care of. But Hashem is the one that helps, have, helps you have brachas through those abilities. This is not just magic because I'm so good at this. I'm such a great da-da-da, so therefore I am the best at this job. You have your abilities and Hashem gave them to you. And the fact that you're successful with those abilities comes specifically because Hashem is giving you bracha through those abilities. The, the Chachamim explained, that we are biblically mandated to work. I told you guys before that many people think that, oh, it is and all Torah wants us to go and like, ooh, separate and just meditate and sing the gunim and daven with a talis over our heads or with a sitter over our faces, you know. Um, but listen to this. It says it very clearly here. Biblically, we are biblically mandated to work. Expounding on the Pasuk and Hashem will bless you in all that you do. Sifri states, the person might think that he can sit idle and do nothing. Couch potatoes. Therefore, the Sifri didn't say that. That was me. Um, therefore, the Pasuk teaches us in all that you do, you literally have to do. We can't just sit, couch potato, 
playing Nintendo, watching videos or whatever, lost in the world of social media, scrolling endlessly and suddenly like, Woohoo! we're doing the best that we can. No, we have to do something. In fact, in chapter four of this specific safer, The Gate of Trust, the author writes, quote, with the clear conviction that his affairs are given over to decrees of the creator, may he be exalted. He must at the same time pursue means beneficial to him and choose what appears to him to be the best course of action in the matter. There is actually a chapter in here which discusses what job you should do and how you should do your job. In that chapter, we'll discuss that more, more deeply. But again, we are, we are, we have to do something. We can't just sit and wait for Hashem to like, okay, man's gonna fall from the sky. No, that's uh, finished. That parsha's over, and we're up to the next parsha. Now we gotta do stuff. We have a chelik to take care of. We have to bake dear uh, in, in our special place. If everyone takes a moment to close your eyes and think about what is your particular job, where you live, where you work, the friends you have, who are you in touch with, your family, your close relatives, that is your sphere that you need to affect right now, starting with yourself. Affect yourself. That's the main person that needs to be thinking of Hashem and needs to be having that trust in Hashem and needs to realize that we have to do because, and, and we're successful in our doing because Hashem gives us the bracha. Go for it. Um, is Shadachim and Job the same concept? Same, like the same. In what sense? What are you trying to? This whole, like, whatever it says about a job is it the same thing, like this Shadachim? Yes, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, we have to do our part. Hashem is the one that gives the bracha. Uh, we have to remember that Hashem is the one that gives the bracha, not necessarily because we do our part. Yeah, all of that fits. Should I repeat that? <laughs> okay. In Shadochim, that might be Nagar for everyone attending or a lot of people attending this year. In Shadochim, yes, it is the same exact thing. Do we have to make a profile? Yes. Do we have to figure ourselves out? Yes, before making the profile, you're going to figure yourself out. Do you have to figure out what brings out the best in you? Yes, you have to figure out how to find the person that you are meant to be married to and not just date the whole wide world because you want to date the whole wide world. Or even if you don't want to date the whole wide world, just date the whole world because like, whatever. Um, you have to figure yourself out and that's part of doing your job. You also have to work on being sensitive to others. You have to work on good communication. You have to work on making a space for a husband to fill as opposed to just you're so perfect that everything's taken care of and he's just coming to join you in your perfectness. Um, just putting that out there. What do you mean by you have to do something with you have to make a space for someone else. Yes, you have to figure yourself out. You have to know yourself. You have to figure out. You have to not close to yourself, not necessarily. You are in your own head, but not necessarily doesn't mean you have you figured yourself out. Figuring yourself out means what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are the things, how do people perceive me from outside? How, how do I present myself to the world? How, 
in what ways can I improve? In what ways can I be more aware of other people? I mean, you're marrying someone else. So being sensitive to others is like a huge part of it. Um, <laughs> you can take up the recording after and the... <laughs> um, exactly. Yes. So again, we are yeah 40 minutes in. <clears throat> we we have to do our part. We have to figure ourselves out. We have to, when it comes to research, we have to figure out that the people who are doing research on our behalf are doing research on our behalf and not just what they think is what's right for us. We have to make sure that we've done our Dory Sharm. We have to make sure to stay open and available and not shut everything down. And again, at the same time, we have to make sure that we're not open to the hardware world because we don't want to date the whole wide world. We want to date the ones that fit into what we're looking for. So again, speak to Arma Shpia about what this means. But yes, everything we're learning here at Charbi Tachun. <laughs> putting that out there. Everything that I said, for, everything that's being said for Sharbi Tachun, yes, for your job, it means could also apply to your Shaduchan. Okay. Now, where were we? Oh, he traps clever people in their shrewdness, right? So people's plans backfire. Um, okay, going down to the asterisk on the bottom, he traps people, he traps clever people in their shrewdness. And again, I, I said, we're not gonna read every single one, but the ones that I've chosen are the ones that I think are relevant and able to be lived with. Um, instead of producing the desired positive results, Hashem orchestrates that the very same plan is itself the cause of failure. Malbim on this Pasuk uses the example of Yosh oh, Yosef's brothers who plotted to sell their brother into slavery. And yet their very plan caused Yosef to be second to the king, the exact opposite of their intentions. So sometimes we think we got it all figured out. I, I, I have this sometimes. I'm like, okay, I figured out the exact schedule. I'm going to eat this for lunch and then I'm going to put Hannah to nap at this time. And then I'm going to da da da. And then I'm going to call this person. And then it's all going to be like exactly cookie cutter. And I have so much control over my schedule that it's just like to the minute. And then my lunch burns. Hannah is not in the mood for napping. She is not happy or she's super happy. And like, like today, she just wanted to play with me the entire two hours. I was trying to put her to bed. But anyway, side point. And the whole schedule goes right out the window. So when we have such like reliance on our schedule, our time frame, I have to be married by this time period, if not blah, 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 or I have to have an apartment by this situation, or I have to have reached this amount of dollars by this age or whatever it is in your personal life, sometimes our own plan is what messes us up. That's what the lottery thing I think is about. They're actually being less happy because they had all these expectations. If I win the lottery, I'm going to be the happiest person ever. Everything's going to go great. My marriage is going to be great. My family's going to be great. Whoa. And then when it doesn't live up to that, they're even more depressed than they were to begin with. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yes. Um, yeah expectations that's like a recipe yeah, for yeah. disaster <laughs> uh, if you if you want to hear more about those you can go listen to the shalom bias course we gave a few weeks ago expectations um okay yes 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 
So sometimes our own plans, it's, it's actually, it's interesting. A few days ago, I was walking home from the park with my kids and I had made it in my mind that I had to be home by this time because if not, then dinner would go off and the da -da, bath and da, bedtime and all the things were like, and the whole walk home, I was like, come, come, we're rushed, we're going, we're going. And then like, probably like two or three blocks away, like from my house, I realized like, I'm just stressing myself out for no reason. Like, I picked that number. I chose, and, and my stress is stressing my kids out. So the whole walk home is just stressed for absolutely no reason. Like, I just chose that this specific time was it, but it doesn't have to be it. So we got there five minutes later, and that was okay. And I just chose to relax, and it was a choice to make. So sometimes our old plan is what stresses us out and messes up and like, ah, it has to be this way. No, it doesn't have to be that way. And sometimes being more relaxed and more aware of what Hashem wants as opposed to what we want leads to a much happier outcome. It's like make a plan and then let it and, and like be open. Exactly. Make a plan and plan that Hashem will yeah. make another one. Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes when we plan, when we make our plan, sometimes Hashem... If, as long as we're relaxed, which is another one of these ways that we can see that Hashem does give us bracha sometimes when we're relaxed. If we're relaxed, sometimes Hashem does give it to us exactly how we planned it. Okay, so this Pasuk is brought as proof that man cannot rely on his plans, however shrewd they may be. And as it says, I turned and saw under the sun that the race does not belong to the swift, nor the war to the mighty, and the wise do not have bread. It would be expected that those who are physically strong would win the war. This Pasuk shows that physical strength and intelligence cannot be relied on for success. Physical strength and intelligence cannot be relied on for success. What's the, what, what's the important part of that sentence? Cannot be relied on. Does it mean we have to be, you know, lose our marbles and like, okay, whatever. No, we have, we should be make stupid plans and make stupid decisions. No, they just cannot be relied on, right? Okay. As it says, young lions suffer want and are hungry, but those who seek Hashem do not lack any good. The young lions in this Pasuk refers to strong people who rely on their strength. The, ver the Pasuk teaches that they are destined to be poor and hungry. On the other hand, those who seek Hashem, meaning those who rely on Hashem, will not lack any goodness. From the above Pasuk, we see that a person cannot rely on his own talents for his success. Only a person who relies on Hashem is guaranteed to be taken care of. Having discussed how a person who relies on his own talents will not be successful, the author now turns to address a person who relies on his wealth. This is the big one. Remember what we said earlier that Back in the day, having a cow of molten gold was like, wow, that's our, and now we look at it, we're like, what do you mean? It's like a cow of molten gold that can't be God. For sure, it cannot be God. Many, I think many might agree that one of the idols that we live with nowadays is our money. <laughs> ah! Yes, that too. Our phone is an idol that we live with. That is a whole different. Yes, yeah, we yes. Rely on it. We think we're relying on it. Our phone to get us places or to get us money or whatever. 
yes or to get us happiness communication yes to feel secure yes our phone brings us a lot of fake anyway yep that is true um which is actually i will say that a nice um exercise if anybody's willing to try is to set a certain time when you actually turn your phone off it feels really raw at first but it's so freeing anyway not that i know by of experience or anything um <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't know yes it is i think we said it last year i like Turned corona out and then I saw much like pink going on. Yeah. And I started doing it. I'm like, oh my god. Isn't it great? At night and then never turned corona until I dominate is always my thing. But now like I realized how much earlier I want to do it. Like literally, like I'm like, it's like such a it's like, no, I have to look at this one. Well, I want to talk about that. Oh, it's like actually no. Good night. Good night, actually. Yes. Oh, yes. Turning off your phone from the time you go to bed till after you dive in is a wonderful freeing. I mean, I do it even further than that, but I know, it's, it's I own. Know. even just it's turning it off, just turn it off for 30 minutes, like just, just 30 minutes, you'll start and you'll feel, I promise you, you'll be able to accomplish so much in your life. It's so great. Okay. Back to the money talk though. I want to share a very special story. There's a famous Hasid who's actually um, one of the wealthiest people, or I wouldn't say the wealthiest, but one of the big Gvirim that actually built up Crown Heights. Um, and his name was Reb Zalman Deitch. And he actually, many of us think that people, many of us don't know where people come from or what they've been through. Or as I joked about earlier, you guys think that I'm teaching this tuch and shir with a nice big smile because I had the best day of my life. And meanwhile, I had a really hard day. So um, we don't always see what happened before. We don't always see where things came from. So Reb Zalman was actually 22. He had just gotten engaged and he had celebrated his l'chaim with both his parents and his in-laws. And it was the most beautiful experience. Not only that, but his parents are survivors and they went through crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. So seeing their oldest son in his l'chaim was such a high point. And then one night, his father suffered a heart attack and could it, there was nothing to be done. He passed. And as was the tradition back then, Every chassan would go in for yechidis right before their wedding. And for this yechidis, it was obviously a very emotional situation. He went in with his kala and his mother, who was now widowed and had to take care of four young children and all of their siblings, like all the siblings. So all five kids, their mother and the kala, they were all in the room. And the rabbi began by giving them incredible amount of brachis, just showering them with brachis. And at one point, the rabbi turned to his mother, whose name was Meryl, and said to her, he, he brought up the topic of being the simcha. And she retorted, how can I possibly not cry under the chuppah? And the rabbi responded, 
not only will you not cry under the chuppah, but you'll be basimcha. And she said, how am I supposed to care for all these children? I'm, I'm by myself now. And the rabbi turned to Reb Zalman. Again, 22-year-old Bachar hasn't seen a single job, work, bill, had no experience whatsoever in business. And he said, he'll take care of you. And she was in shock. And she said, but what do you mean? He's a batlan. He's a... He has his head in the svarim. He all he's been, he's a yeshiva bacher. He hasn't even, he has no taste of business. How is he meant to take care of us? And he said, you'll see. He'll learn. He'll learn his trade. He'll take over his father's business. And you'll see. And then he fin the Rebbe finished off with abundant brachas again. And he said to her, um, the Rebbe advised that to have in order for her to see it or not in order for her that's why i wrote it down i was like i want to make sure i say it properly he to have emunah mitachan like you need to have emunah mitachan and he will have success with immense vigor he'll have abundant abundant success but you need to have emunah mitachan and you need to be basimcha and when it all came down to everything his father his the son Reb Zalman Deitch did, in fact, learn the trade. He went into textiles just like his father, and he became one of the wealthiest people. He was so wealthy that he's, he's even one of the main donors that donated the JCM. So he gave to Chabad houses left and right, to every Mesa, to every, every one of the Rebbe's Mephzaim, he was somehow involved. And when it comes down to it, we have to realize that she was in a hard position. There's, there's two lessons that I personally learned from the story. She was in an incredibly hard position. Like we can't even fathom. And the rabbi believed in her and said to her, you need to trust in Hashem and your trust in Hashem will come out in a revealed way through your simcha. You will feel joy even at this moment under the chuppah where you'll feel your husband missing so, so dearly. But you will have trust in Hashem. Your emunah and your vitachan will show up through simcha. So that for me is lesson one. What's lesson two? Reb Zalman Deitch was an incredible chassid. His book is called First. It's called A Chassid, A Businessman. And the word a chassid is first and businessman is second. And even though he was so, so wealthy, his children say that they rarely, if ever, ever went to visit his job. He used to call it the place, like he's whatever in English, but he used to call it the place. He wouldn't even say like, you know, the factory, my job, my just, you know, that place. And anytime they would ask him, he'd say, Okay, but now I'm home. And he would make such a clear distinction that he is not carrying the stresses of his job into his family life, into his home. And this entire parnasa was just to give staka and just to give to, to the Rebbe, to give the Rebbe nachas. So one is that we can be besimcha, we can have a mona and betachan and Hashem, regardless of how hard our struggles are. And two 
is that even with Parnassa, the bottom line needs to be, how do I serve Hashem with this? Because if we think our Parnassa is for ourselves, our Parnassa is just my own doing, it's my own, you know, I worked hard for this, then we're going to go put our trust in the Parnassa and we lost the whole purpose, the whole reason why Hashem gave it to us. So let me just check the perfect. Okay. So I want to take a moment and I think we'll, we'll um, finish off with a story. Yeah. And then we'll continue. We'll continue with this, with the next pieces after. Um, but I want to say that many times we read books or we read stories or we read Hayyamim or we read whatever, or we hear Shirim. It's like, wow, that's such a nice, that's oh, so Halig. It's so over there. You know, that person is so amazing. And um, when it comes to our pocket, when it comes to our Parnassah, when it comes to our Tzedakah, when it comes to our accomplishments, when it comes to our paycheck, not necessarily we feel so Halig. We don't feel so I-I-I. Although many people do. I'm going to, no judgment. But sometimes we need to learn and we need to read and we need to, to internalize other people's experience so that we can feel that we're not alone. We're not the first ones to go through a struggle and we're going to help. We're going to come out of it strong with our Muna, with our Betachen. And we're going to realize that all the brachas truly, truly come from Hashem. The money that's in your bank account is in your bank account because Hashem wants it in your bank account. Because if you didn't want it in your bank account, then Chasu Shalom would be spent in other things. I, there's a famous um, there's a famous story about a man who was really struggling with keeping Shabbos, and he decided, you know, uh, like one Friday night I'll just open up my store, um, or one Shabbos day I'll keep, you know, I'll take one client, I'll take two clients, and. At one point, he was doing it more often and more often and more often. And he happened to mention, he said he came over to his rabbi and he said, you know, I just have to be, I have to put it on the table. I have to tell it straight. I really I haven't really been keeping Shabbos. And you know what? I see the bracha in it. And rabbi's like, what? And he said, I, I actually made a certain amount of money on Shabbos. And the week after that, my car broke down. And I, I pushed it, had to, I had to pay the bills to fix the car. And it was exactly the amount, no, not exactly, exactly, but like it, it covered the amount that I needed to fix my car. And uh, the rabbi looks at him and says, you know, could it be possible? Maybe, maybe, could it be possible that if you hadn't driven your car on Chavez, then your car wouldn't have broken down and then you wouldn't need to spend the money on the engine and on the fixing and on the whatever. So sometimes we think we're getting, you know, we're getting the most out of, we're uh, milking the most out of everything because we're doing on our own and we have our own ideas. And as long as I cheat the system or as long as I figure out and squeeze it in somehow, uh, Hashem's in charge. Remember we said, he's the, he's the flow of water. He's the, the faucet. He's the one that gives it to you. So keep Hashem in mind when you make the vessel and when you keep the vessel without it being connected to the beginning of this year, the broken cistern, we have to keep in mind 
that Hashem is the one that gives the bracha. We just make the vessel. And if we, if we happen to forget that the vessel is, comes from Hashem and the bracha comes from Hashem, we just rely on the vessel. That vessel is uh, cracked. It doesn't have the source of bracha. So, ah, look at that. Um, yeah, to be continued. It's Hashem. Thank you. My pleasure. And a reminder throughout the week, please look at the bottom line. If somebody's clever with Canva, you can even make them into whatever's. And also share on the, you can share on the, if you feel like it, you can share on the WhatsApp group, you know, whatever you feel like for bringing about Betafen, whatever you're going through. So, yay. See you guys next week. My pleasure.